Please use discretion before listening to the free Kit Martin podcast. Conversations are sensitive in nature. Content involves murders, divorce, abuse, sex, and or military and political corruption. We encourage the listeners to proceed with caution. The Free Kit Martin podcast is for entertainment and information purposes only. While information is thought to be accurate, content is our opinion and not guaranteed in written or verbal format. I'm Stacey Stone and I'm here with Crystal McKenzie. I'd like to introduce you to the main character in this story. His name is Chris Martin. Christian Richard Martin and his military friends would later nickname him Kit. The name Kit Martin is beginning to become a household name across our country. He is a convicted American hero. We cannot figure out for the life of us how anyone could ignore this story. He grew up in an average middle-class military family. His father retired from the Air Force and served in Vietnam. One of his sisters also retired from the Air Force after serving in the nurse corps. Now, Kit's mother, she grew up in England and later became an American citizen. So as you can imagine, coming from an Air Force family, they moved extensively, and Kit utilized all of that time to earn the prestigious Eagle Scout designation. With the family's military history at 17 years old, Kit Martin decided to join the United States Army Reserves. He learned to be a Calvary Scout while attending the University of Nebraska. And upon graduating college with honors, he earned a full commission as a full-time Army officer. Kit met and fell in love for the first time in his life with Stacy. They were married for 13 years and were blessed with three children. Kit had hoped that resigning from the Army would save his marriage, but it didn't. After the marriage ended on good terms, Kit met his next wife, or so he thought. Her name was Joan Harmon Guerre. When tragedy struck our country on 9-11, Kit believed it was his duty once again to join the active military. His new wife, Joan, really loved this decision because, uh, well, Kit would later learn that her support was sort of motivated by her desire to alienate him from his biological children and Stacy and his entire family for that matter. Kit would also learn later that their military travels assisted Joan in covering her little tainted horrific past. And when we say horrific, that's an understatement. And then there's the distance. It's quite beneficial for covering up lies pertaining to her own biological children. Although Kit had resigned from active military, you know he had continued to serve in the National Guard and trained to even become a military helicopter pilot and eventually flew almost every type of helicopter available to the military. He even flew four tours during the Gulf War and earned so many honors, medals, including a prestigious combat action badge. This is American hero. He had a 30-year untainted military career until the truth about the beloved Joni began to surface. He noticed lie after lie. Can you imagine? Her history and even her three biological children's history were not anything like the picture that she had painted him at the beginning of their relationship. When he eventually asked her for a divorce, one of Kit's adult children overheard the conversation. Joan told Kit, I will ruin you. I'll ruin your military career. I know how to do it. I'll just say you abused me. He filed for a divorce anyway, only to find out he wasn't married to her to begin with. She was still married to her last victim. 
when she vowed, I will ruin you. A court-martial, three murder and four life sentences, Kit Martin's in a Kentucky prison, wrongfully convicted, and this is one of the greatest American tragedies of our time. Welcome to the free Kit Martin podcast. My name is Crystal McKenzie. I'm a radio personality. Ex-wife of Kit Martin, Stacey Stone, is my partner. We advocate for freedom of this innocent man. I mean, think about it. 108 DNA samples, zero connected to Kit. They never took Joan Harmon's DNA. Zero evidence in that entire trial connected to Kit Martin. They were able to convince a jury of 12 that this man committed triple murder with zero evidence. Oh, and guess who was caught with one of the victim's phones? Joan Harmon. We're trying to make sense of the corruption. We're trying to make sense of the lies. Help us unpack the Kit Martin story. I think today, Stacey, what we need to do is just go over the evidence of the Kit Martin trial. Now, really, like what Tom Griffiths, our defense attorney, said towards the end of this whole thing and in his closing, in fact, it's how he started his his closing arguments, is this case is zero evidence. So we're going to go over the alleged evidence. You want to? Sure. I think that sounds great. And I think probably the dog tag would be a great place to start if you'd like. Yeah. Prosecution um, or the attorney general's uh, evidence number one. They actually labeled that evidence number one. So let's do go over the dog tag. I think it's one of the most important pieces of what seems like it would be planted because it doesn't make any sense that Kit would run across the street to plant this kind of evidence that has his name written all over it, like he's like bragging about it or something. It just made zero sense to me that they would put this as a piece of evidence number one. It's like leaving your signature. It's like I'm going to do, I'm going to commit a crime and then I'm going to leave my signature so everyone is sure to know it was me. And that is just that's outlandish. That's, it is. That's crazy. It is you know? crazy. And no military officer that I know of brags like that. That's unbecoming of almost everybody I've ever met that's served in the armed forces. You know, you just have kind of this humble thing. It doesn't make any sense that you would take, of all things, your dog tag that, you know, has been collected by family members probably throughout the years. Do we even keep our dog tags? I don't know. Did you have a dog tag? I did have a dog tag, and I think have given that to my children. Uh, I honestly, it's probably in my jewelry box. And, you know, I haven't thought to look back for that. Um, but I will say that getting into the trial, the first place I heard about the dog tag was when the Diana Phillips was on the stand and she talked about the dog tag that she had found on a shelf and it was beside Cal's wallet. It was on a shelf and she took it down and she first thought, you know, that it was her brother, Calvin Phillips, one of the deceased, one of the victims. Trying to figure out again what what to keep. I did not have my glasses on. And so um, anyway, so I took um, a dog tag. It was a dog tag. I, I brought it down. It was up on uh, top one of the top shelves. And I, I actually took the dog tag um, and I kind of held it to my chest because I thought it was my brother's. And so Matt came over and I said, you know, I said, look, it's your dad's dog tag. And he looked at me and he said, Aunt Diana, get your glasses on. I said, okay. So I got my glasses on and it, it was not my brother's dog tag. What did it say? 
Is it Christian Martin? And what did you do then? I was I was shocked and I was stunned. And um, candidly, at that point in time, I, I was I, I remember crying and thinking, now what? <laughs> now what do I do? Um, and so we got a baggie, and I put the dog tag in a baggie. Well, we do know that is not, you know, this happened in the trial, is that Barbara Whaley, the prosecutor, she said, and what did that dog tag say? And Diana Phillips said, well, it said Christian Martin. And on the spot in the trial, the prosecutor, Barbara Whaley, corrected her and said, well, no, it said Kit, but, and she just put it yeah. under a rug, and she corrected her on the stand. What does that read? Uh, I don't have my glasses on again. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I don't have my glasses on again. But it says Christian. It says Christian Martin. Um, and I'm so sorry. I can't. Actually, Actually, it says Martin and above that Kit. Okay. It did not say Christian Martin. It said Kit Martin. She didn't remember that it said Christian Kit Martin on it? How would you not? I mean, this is the death of your brother. Right. And again, this is our opinion, but how would you not remember what that dog tag said? I feel like if that was my loved ones and I had picked up a piece of evidence like that, it would be embedded in my brain. There's no way I wouldn't know what it said. Well, you know, what but, was embedded in her brain is that she, you know, the feeling she had when she held it against her heart and all of that. You know, so exactly. she remembered that but didn't remember the name on it and needed her glasses to do it. And Barbara Whaley helped her out there. And we can't thank you enough, Babs. Thanks for that. We needed that. What I was disappointed that I did not hear, and if it was mentioned in the trial, I certainly did not hear it, but that dog tag 100% absolutely could not possibly have been a military-issued dog tag. And here's why. When I was in the military, so I do know what I'm saying, talking about. I, when I was in the military, and I was an adjutant general corps officer, so part of my job was records and also maintaining the dog tags and the regulation army regulation which is commonly referred to as an ar ar 600-8-14 states that the dog tag cannot have a nickname it has to have a legal given name on the dog tag Kit is not his legal name. It is a nickname. He was given years later in the military. People around where we lived in our hometown, they never knew him by Kit. His name is Chris. He, all of us still refer to him as Chris. But again, that regulation, it absolutely states, even if, Crystal, if you or I, we got married and we were in the military and we legally changed our last name, you have to take that documentation to the facility where they make the dog tags and they have to see that your name is legally changed before they will even print you a military dog tag. And that legality means that your name has to match what's on your passport, on your ID, 
on your driver's license, it is not a nickname. So that dog tag was not, it absolutely was not his dog tag. That to me was one of the silliest. I mean, even Tom Griffith said it. This is the most ridiculous piece of evidence I've ever seen in my life. I mean, truly. You know, and and I remember hearing them a lot refer to, because it was on a string, to me, in my opinion, the string is irrelevant. It doesn't matter what that dog tag was on or if it was in one of the boot things or if it was on a string or a breakaway chain, which we know in the military, we wore breakaway chains. That's just what you wore in the military. They're the chains that if if they need to break away, they can grab them and they pull off. Right. And so, but to me, the string was irrelevant because I knew it was not a military issue dog tag. And as we know, dog tags, they can be printed at Walmart for keychains. They can be printed online. I looked online. There's a million different places on the internet that you can go and just order a dog tag to say anything you want it to say. The other thing that dog tag said, it said Catholic. Kent Martin has never been a Catholic a day in his life. We were both baptized into the Church of Christ. What? I mean, so where did that come from? That's the first time I've ever heard that, that the the word Catholic was on there. I do know that Joan claimed to be a Catholic. I do know that. Boy, that's really something. And again, I'm not, we're not being ugly or saying anything about bad about any religion. That, of course, is all of your choices, how you, how you worship. You know, that's not for any of us to judge. I'm just saying that Catholic was not Kit Martin's religion. So the dog tag regulation that shows that is not a military issue dog tag is 600-8-14. And that has not changed. It has been the same. There has not been any changes to that. And one other thing, and I hope I can paint this picture clearly. Any dog tag, each line that is embossed into the dog tag can be 18 characters long. So had his name legally been Kit Martin, it would have said Martin, comma, Kit on that first line. It would not have said Martin, jump down to the second line and say Kit. For instance, Martin Christian R would not fit on one line. It would be more than 18 characters. So the correct format for that would have been Martin, comma, and the next line would have been Christian R, period. It's very, it's very uh, regulated into how the dog tags are printed. So I wish that had come out in the trial because obviously if those were not his dog tags and those were planted, which is obvious, so obvious to me, then what about that bullet casing, Crystal? Oh, there's evidence number two. Let's get into the bullet casing, that shiny new little, as you guys would say in the South, the shiny new uh, bullet casing. Uh, even the people from Court TV are a little bit concerned about that shiny new bullet casing that they found that would have been weathered and tarnished from being out on that porch. Um, it's set there for how many months later did they find it? Five and a half months that the I family, believe that's right. Five, yeah. five and a half. Yeah, like five months later, the family comes up with this casing. What do we know about that bullet casing? Well, we know that apparently during the investigations at the murders that from our tip line, we did find out, which was not exposed in court, that there were approximately 32 
people at the Phillips house investigating. My and they want God. to tell us that 32, quote unquote, qualified detectives, policemen, CID, that they all missed this bullet case and give me a break. No way. There's absolutely no way. I don't see it happening. And then, you know, as Julia, of course, Court TV, they can't take a side on it. But the thing she said really got to her was that bullet casing, that how does a bullet casing that was missed sit out in the weather for five, five and a half months and not a mark on it? It's shiny. It looked like a brand new bullet casing. And all of a sudden it appears that I'm not sure of the exact findings. My understanding in my language is that that family member failed the polygraph. The word yeah. was inconclusive. So The word was inconclusive, but in layman terms, that meant she failed the polygraph. Yeah. Let's move to number three. And uh, I think this is one of the more important parts of the entire case, but them trying to basically say that the cell phones were going in the same direction. Pam's cell phone, let's not forget, was with Joan Harmon, Kit's ex. So, yes. So the so Joan had the phone. You'll see that um, hashtag throughout the Internet because Joan having the phone is the one piece of evidence that we, that we do have in this case. The rest seems to be made up, just, just pulled right out of the clear blue sky. And the cell phone records are so important. Which of the cell phone records are we waiting on again? Do we want to see the discovery in which one? It's Cellbright records, and actually those records – from what our friend Detective Smith testified to the grand jury to get the indictment, which we now know was false testimony. He said it was a mistake. I say he was lying and to get the indictment. But he said that said that Pam's phone and that Kit's phone traveled in the same direction when the truth is they went to opposite ends. They didn't go in the same direction at all. In fact, Pam Phillips' phone went East. from Pembroke, Elkton, right, and then from Elkton toward Russellville, back to Elkton, and at midnight went back to Pembroke. So now we know where Joni was that night because she ended up with the phone. So I mean, that's Joan. Those are Joan's footsteps there. As a matter of fact, no. Joan was able to plead the fifth, so was her son, and they did it outside the presence of the jury. It was the most unbelievable decision I've ever seen a judge make. And that's what— And not—right, and Crystal, not just that. It happened outside the courtroom. The defense was explicitly told by the judge, you can't even tell the jury right. that they pleaded the fifth. I mean, talk about just snowing— I mean, you, you've just pulled the wool right over the eyes of the jurors. You know, I was watching him do the jury instructions, too. And before he sent him back to do all the deliberations, Judge Atkins is, you know, basically telling them, now that we know there's going to be things that you want, that you a little bit more that you want to hear, you know, you want to, but there's just, we have given you all the facts that you need right here. This is all you need. Crystal, I want to know, and maybe our listeners want to know, why do we not have the path of travel from Jones Selbright records? Why did they not request those records? Because I believe if they had Joan Harmon, Gara, Gritton's phone records, that it would show her phone traveling the exact path 
that Pam Phillips phone traveled. And that would be case closed. That's exactly right. Case closed as far as we're concerned. But uh, that wasn't allowed in. And uh, no. the, the uh, I mean, Joan having the phone was allowed in. We were able to get that. I mean, just take a listen to Noiseworthy here. This is Detective Scott Noiseworthy from the trial in June of 2021. Listen. Detective Noiseworthy, you have previously testified uh, that you... <clears throat> that you obtained or made a trip to the AT&T store in Hopkinsville. That is correct, ma'am. And the purpose of that is you have been contacted by the employee there in regard to a cell phone that had been turned in. Well, our dispatch center had contacted me following them being contacted by AT&T. Yes, ma'am. Um, Yes, ma'am. And are those, is that the phone, the cell phone, and the case that you collected uh, from the AT&T store? Yes, correct, ma'am. I believe it was December 31st. December 31st, ma'am. 2015. Yes. And after you collected that, those items, you secured them in the evidence room? Yes, ma'am. Now, also, as you, when you were in the AT&T store, did the employee, uh, Ms. McCraw, show you the surveillance video. She did, ma'am. That had been filmed by the surveillance camera of the person who brought the phone in to the store. That's correct. And when you viewed the surveillance video, did you recognize the person who was in possession of the phone bringing it into the AT&T store? I did, ma'am. And who was that? That was Joan Harmon, ma'am. And you, you knew who she was? I did, yes, ma'am. Now, at that time, after that uh, day, did you uh, visit or go to the home of Joan Hartman? We uh, did a drive-by. It was uh, just part of our follow-up investigation. Uh, we determined... Judge, uh, you would object. All right. Step up. So you went to the home of Joan Harmon? We did, ma'am. And where is or was that home located? Just just give me the... It's uh, located... If you don't know the street address, what city or... It's Old Trenton Road in Elton, Kentucky. In where? Elton. And what county is that? That is Todd County, ma'am. Also, I want to address some more information about the casing. From my understanding, which we know the trial was very, it was chaotic as, at best. It went back and forth from subject to subject, and it was very difficult for anyone to understand, even if they had been around 
while all of these things were going on, somebody sitting on a jury, it would have been very difficult for them to say, you know, I'm thinking, I'm just imagining they were saying, what's going on here? But that casing, from what I understand, could have been a match for Kit's gun, but they never proved that that type casing was what fired the rounds that were actually in Cal's body. There was absolutely no proof of that, none. And, you know, as we know, Kit Martin lived across the street. His truck bed had a whole bed of casings where he had been out, you know, he went target shooting and we saw pictures of his truck bed where he had casings in there, tons and tons of them where he had been shooting. And, you know, that's what he did. He target practice. We all do in our family. So, you know, how difficult would it have been for somebody to walk across the street, get a, a casing and plant at the scene? That wouldn't be difficult at all. But bottom line, there is no proof that that casing held the top round that killed Cal Phillips. Which was what kind of bullet again? A G2 rip round, as I understand. The rip round? I mean, that is a that was like a little bit of a fad in its time, as, as far as what I've read about it. So let's move on here. I hate to uh, do this, but we've got to talk about the hearsay and how important it is. And I have a feeling the Kentucky Supreme Court, when they do make their decision, which is due any time now, uh, if when they do make their decision on reconsideration on whether or not they're going to confirm uh, this conviction, um, one of the things they have to talk about is the hearsay rules in Kentucky. This is about to change for Kentucky if they go ahead and affirm that conviction again. Do you know what I'm saying? So in the reconsideration, just think about the hearsay that happened inside of there. Now, all of these people got by with getting on. Uh, the stand and saying, you know, she said Kit's going to hurt me. He said Kit's going to hurt me. If anything ever happens to me, it's Kit, Kit, Kit. And all that was was small town gossip gone wild. That was Joni walking door to door to door. And anybody who would look at that picture of what we feel like is a makeup job on EJ's back, you know, uh, anybody who would look at that, she wanted to tell them about it. She told everybody about the abuse. Whether that picture was makeup or it wasn't is no proof that Kit Martin did, did that. I've told the story many of times that I know for a fact that when my kids were younger, she tried to hit one of them with a shoe. So, and and I know that at one time Kit had come home and Elijah was scared of heights and he was up on a ladder and she was beating him with a broom. Because he, she said she called him an ugly name about that he was scared. And I'm not going to say it on here because it's not appropriate. But this is what she called her child. So we know she did hit her kids. We know this. And he stopped it. Uh, he stopped it right then and there. And he said he ran to the backyard because he heard the kids screaming. So we don't know if the picture's real or not. But we do know Kit Martin didn't do it. Mm -hmm. And as far as the hearsay, you're right, Crystal. When the Supreme Court is making their decision, to be honest, they're not looking at evidence right now. All they're looking at is procedural. So they're looking at, was it okay for Judge Adkins to rule that hearsay could be allowed? And like you said, it's Joan, because she had this pattern of every person she was with next, she accused the last person she was with of abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse. So if she went across the street and manipulated the Phillips as she was so known to do mm -hmm. with people and had them 
scared and thinking that Kit was this horrible person. All she had to do is go around and play the little junk card and, oh my gosh, Kit Martin is so bad and he's this and that and he's abusive and, you know, never mind that he's got a 30-year military career that's exemplary. Um, but she went around and she, if they said they were scared, if they did say it, it's because she planted those ideas in their head. So the hearsay, obviously, and you know, it obviously Pam and Cow are dead. They had something to be scared of, but it was not Kit Martin. No, it absolutely was not. Although they may have thought it was because they were, you know, being manipulated by Joan. And God only knows what Joan said to Cal. Uh, anybody who might have been inside the soda shop on the day that, you know, the soda shop over there in Todd County in Elkton is where apparently an argument took place between Cal and Joni. I mean, I know it's hearsay. Horses tell us that there was an argument between Joan and Cal Phillips. And it would be, although, again, like you said, it's hearsay, unless they've got it on. Sometimes those places have cameras in them. Yeah. But apparently... After the, you know, that couple weeks before the murders, they had a big confrontation. So, you know what the other thing the judge did, not only did he allow the hearsay and that changed everything, but the other thing that changed everything, and it's all on Judge Atkins, is quashing the subpoenas for Joan and EJ to testify. Their Fifth Amendment rights could have been done right there in front of the jury, but he allowed that. That is the other thing that the judge did that really bothered me. I will say that Judge Atkins had a very difficult time making that decision. In fact, he decided that they were going to be made to testify, and then somebody pushed a little bit, and he said, oh yeah, I think you're right. We're not going to make them testify. Not only are that we not going to make them testify, we're going to allow them to plead the fifth. Not only are we going to allow them to plead the fifth, we're also not going to let the jury know that they pleaded the fifth. So the jury never even knew that the defense was trying to get Joan Harmon on the stand. Unbelievable. Hey, the plot thickens. We're going to have to pick this up next time here on the Free Kit Martin podcast where we're going to go over even more of this uh, testimony that was allowed in this trial. If you've never seen the Kit Martin trial, we invite you to get over to Court TV and take a look at it. It's on demand. All you have to do is go to Google and say Christian Martin versus Kentucky. And then on the reconsideration here in the Supreme Court, it is called, it is Martin versus Commonwealth. So there is a difference. Yes. Yeah, there's some different kind of wording, but we are awaiting right now the Supreme Court. We have put all of our cards on the table here and we have all also put all of any chances of him getting out of jail into the hands of God. I mean, we have had to. Absolutely. We pray about it every day. And I, mean, I know Kit is. Kit, yeah. And what Kit's doing, you know, a lot of people turn to religious and return to religion once they're, you know, behind bars. But that was going on prior to Kit getting into jail. So he has continued that. He's helping out the chaplain. I know people have you know, commented, hey, just because he's helping out the chaplain doesn't make him a saint. Well, no, we didn't say it did. Well, nobody's a saint. There's nobody's only one a saint. perfect person. Yeah. And that was Jesus Christ himself. So. Right. But what we know for sure is Kit Martin, Christian Richard Martin, did not commit these murders. And if I were the family, I would want to know who did. I would be very uncomfortable 
with all of this out there right now and not knowing who it was that killed my loved one, I would want to know the actual truth. I don't think the truth's been told here. I think there are thousands of people around the world that agree. I think you're right, Crystal. And, you know, this case has really taught me something. You know, I'm 58 years old, and now I can't see the world as I used to see it. I thought, you know, maybe there's a little corruption out there. Maybe there's a little bad out there, but it's very bad. And now when I look at the news and I see someone getting arrested, I no longer can assume that they're guilty or that they did it or that there's even any proof that they did because things are so, so bad in our country today. Hey, if you have any information that may lead to the exoneration of Christian Kit Martin, do hit us up, freekitmartin at gmail.com. There's a phone number you can call, Stacy. It's 931-273-9724. And please know that any information you can give us, if you do not want your identity revealed, we will keep it in confidence. Yeah. We just need things that, although we do have some new evidence, that we cannot reveal at this time. We have to first have a new trial. We need everything that can help us to exonerate Absolutely. Kit Martin because, because we know he's an innocent man. Thank you so much for listening today to the Free Kit Martin podcast. Again, hit us up, freekitmartin at gmail.com. We're on all the social media platforms. God bless you to all our listeners. Thank you for listening today. And again, join us next time for the Free Kit Martin podcast.